It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is episode number 51 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is a woman who sounds like she's being killed when she sneezes. Jules. Hey, Jules, don't sneeze on us, please. <laughs> They're happy, uh, well, at the moment, happy uh, spring hay fever sneezes. Uh, not so happy if it develops into hay fever, but uh, yes, I love a good sneeze. I always say, don't hold it in. <laughs> what are you? That happened to me one time. I held it in. I almost died. <gasps> Exploded. I blew up like one of those big balloons, started floating away. Mm, and you never deflated. Um. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. I said it. Here we are, episode 51, and we're making fat jokes. So <laughs> that's about the level of humour you can expect today as we delve into some um, some funny stuff on well, I can't say on uh, on TV. It's on a different broad- broadcast platform. <laughs> and I do, I, <laughs> I do have true. one bit of news. I didn't didn't have a lot of news, but I did have one bit of news, uh, which is um, totally unrelated to com- <laughs> comedy. Um, but I did want to mention because we were going to review this series, and we didn't get around or haven't got around to it. But um, Kurt Sutter, he of Sons of Anarchy fame, uh, who went straight from that to making a series called The Bastard's Executioner, announced this week uh, that he wouldn't be uh, making a second season. So it fin- had its season one finale this week after whatever it was, the 10 episodes, and uh, announced that um, no one was watching and the audience reaction had been pretty... I think his words were meh, um, so he wasn't going to go on to make anymore, and I sort of respect that. Uh, yeah, it probably wasn't his decision. I'm sure the network was saying, "Yeah, we're not making anymore." I am sure that was too, uh, because it was a quite a costly <laughs> show. But uh, then again, you know, Sutter's had a very long and close relationship with FX. If anyone was going to get a little uh, latitude, it might have been him. But uh, it was interesting. I mean, given the huge following Sons of Anarchy had, um, certainly one of the, if not the highest rating show FX has ever had, um, that the bust executioner didn't hold anywhere near a fraction of that audience. Uh, did you get to watch any of the, the show, Ryan? Uh, no. My wife watched it. She said, meh. Yeah. She didn't like it. But then again, my wife doesn't like the best shows on TV, so I can't really say that counts for much. But she liked Sons of Anarchy. So she was... Pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> she yeah. was. She and I were the sort of people who did start watching Bastard Executioner. I know I had a few friends who certainly stayed with it longer than I did. I haven't gone back to see if they were still with it. It was set in twelfth uh, century Wales, and was sort of about the fiefdom struggles at that time. And the the main character, the the Bastard Executioner, was a guy who, you know, the usual blah blah. They slaughtered my family, and you know, burnt my mm-hmm. village and through various things he ends up taking on the identity of a traveling executioner uh and gets caught right. up in the politics and the um conspiracies and uh of the time it 
yeah. Um, hmm. Yes, I was pretty mad. I also, and this is, you will know how surprising this is, I actually found the level of violence off-putting, and that's saying a lot for me. Ooh, that is saying a lot. Yeah. It's like when you've got the your lead character explicit, like being shown cutting the nose off a 12-year-old girl, because uh, it's part of his job, he's an executioner and a torturer. Yes, yeah, sort of was not so into it. Um, and I suppose the thing was, the rest of the, the the storytelling wasn't enough for me to to put you know to put up with that. So, uh, not surprised. Be interested to see what uh, Kurt Sutter does next. Uh, yeah. I, okay. So, should I bother with anything, Bastard Executioner? No, I think. Uh, and you mentioned you were. Uh, we've both been watching The Last Empire. Yes. Uh, I watched the yeah. first episode. Yeah. Okay, so the last empire, and and which is sort of like the flip side of Vikings in a way, um, in terms of the, the it's set in the same era and storytelling, um, is a lot better than the Bastard Executioner. That I'm not quite sure. I haven't put enough thought into what wasn't working in the Bastard Executioner. Probably not. Uh, yeah, it was one thing in Sons of Anarchy to have lead characters who were reprehensible. Uh, violent, horrible people. But what worked in that was making their uh, struggles relatable. So whether it was, uh, you know, family relationships and all that, there was, and and they were charismatic characters as well. Whereas in this, um, everyone was just horrible. (laughs) And there's not a lot relatable about, oh, my God, I've taken on an executioner's uh, identity and now I have to torture 12-year-old girls. What am I going to do? Not particularly relatable to most people. Um, So I think that may have been part of it. I didn't find the lead actor particularly uh, engaging. Katie Segal played some sort of Slovakian witch, um, which was sort of amusing, uh, but <laughs> was mm. not. Um, yeah, just just didn't work. Whereas uh, I've watched about four, three, four episodes of uh, The Last Empire. Not sure I'm going to stay with it, but definitely better storytelling, and right. um, it's it's uh, chuffing along too. So it's it's sort of uh, again the. Very similar sort of story it's telling to to Vikings, so it's both the politics of the time and the you know sort of family relationships and struggles, um, and I th- and, and that's certainly more uh, enjoyable, although equally uh, not maybe not equally as bloody, but uh, uh, high gore value. But that's enough. That's why I need to watch some funny shows. And yeah, to- yeah, you do. You need to just mellow out all the blood and the gore. Yes, and so we have two series today, both on Netflix, one of which has, um, what would one say, it's not really a long pedigree, but it has it has a history that echoes through television, really, in a mm. way, uh, which was its roots in The Mr. Show with Bob and David. Would you like to talk about that, Ryan? Sure, well, let's talk about our show with Bob and David. I try to be nice, all right? But now you're going to have to deal with my partner. No more coffee, no more smokes. I get it, you're the asshole cop. Yeah! Wait, what? He said I was an asshole? Well, we're going to do a sketch show. Plenty of sexy stuff. I know that's your number one thing. Am I going to get to jerk off later? Yes, you will. 
This fall, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross have a reputation. That's good, right? For smart comedy. Could you not eat while handling my clean? Could you not come in when I'm in the middle of my brunch? Oops, too late. Shark wit. Computer! What's inside a computer? No one really knows. Fighting satire. You can just move along and have a nice day, okay? Okay, I'm not required to have a nice day, officer. And originality. Doesn't make any sense. Shut up. Shut up. Stop, stop, stop. That's why they're doing an all-new show. Corey wrote a global bestseller. Kevin is totes for reals. Everybody was there. Man with a funny mustache named Hitler. There was no Hitler there. That's not in the book. With Bob and David. An all-new, completely original series. Now, the word dignity, it's not often associated with films about slavery. Well, we don't use that word. Dignity? No, the other word. Films? <laughs> no. Associate. That's a rat! Okay. Only on Netflix. Kind of a strange name for a series. <laughs> and um, really hard to find on Netflix, I have to say, because it's W slash Bob right. and David. And so it, it took me a few goes to actually find it because I was typing in with and Bob and David and then yeah. I thought Mr. Show and anyway yes. no oh. <laughs> so uh, W slash forward slash Bob and David right so that is the history of the show this show comes from um, Mr. Show if, if anybody remembers Mr. Show from God, the late 90s I think it was um, yep. with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross uh, Bob Odenkirk you would know as Better Call Saul uh, David Cross, you would know as um, from Arrested Development as Tobias. Yep. Um, they used to be a comedy duo, and I guess they still are, uh, back in the day. And they had a sketch comedy show called Mr. Show that lasted uh, three or four seasons, I think. <coughs> With them are people such as Paul F. Tompkins, who is fantastic. Brian Pussain, who's one of my favorite people. Uh, Jake Johnston. Um, Sarah Silverman was in it. Right. Um, Scott Ackerman uh, was in it. It was yep. producing, writing, um, and he's in, in this one. And it is a comedy sketch show again. It's a new one. You know, um, Bob and David were kind of synonymous, I think, back in the day for being, I, I want to say, fringe comedians. Um, even their show was a bit fringy. It wasn't... Um, it was for this up-and-coming demographic of people that it really circumvented what was going on popular in comedy right at that point. It was different. Now we look at it and we really appreciate it, but I think at the time it was only appreciated by a very slim margin of people. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people just thought it was weird and, and, and you know full of itself kind of thing. Um, I think they brought a lot of that with them uh, again um, to with Bob and David. I think there's there's a lot of really funny stuff happening in here with the different sketches and the different skits and the different characters and stuff they play. They play. Um, I think a lot of it went over pretty well. A lot of it's a bit, a bit drawn out. Um, some of it's a bit drawn out. Um, some of it misses the mark entirely. Um, but I didn't feel, and, and one of the thoughts that I, I, I had before this uh, ever aired was, Will their the actors' success get in the way of them producing something um, with the same irreverence that they had previously? But I don't think it has. I, in my opinion, I don't really feel like they 
that they pulled any or spared any punches or or, or, or didn't go f- through with things maybe because of who they were or their reputations now or anything like that. It, it certainly seems they seem approachable if that's the right word to to say with with the content that they're producing um i I didn't feel protected from themselves i I think they went out there and and went balls to the i laughed quite a bit they only produced four episodes and i think there's a behind the scenes episode um it's on netflix they produced it for netflix um so it's it's great i mean it's cable style they're swearing and, and all sorts of stuff um and apparently they had very they had zero interface with the production company or with the the, the network as it were uh on what they could or couldn't do so this is mm. them essentially in the raw doing whatever the hell they, they they felt um i think it's funny i think there's some some uh skits that will transcend time and and be popular 20 years from now like some of their mr show stuff um and stuff that was really well shot, well produced. They had a budget, looked great. Um, yeah, it was good. I liked it. I don't think it's my favorite thing in the world, but I certainly put it up there. I think it was good what they did. Um, and I binge watched the whole four episodes. Big deal. Um, and, and thought they were good. <laughs> Jules, what did you think of with Bob and David? Um, interestingly, I was having a conversation just the other day, um, bemoaning the daft of. Um, uh, sketch comedy on Australian television uh, at the moment. And certainly we had in the late 80s and through to the 90s um, some amazing you know, sketch comedy stuff and the sort of stuff that we're still seeing, you know, actors and writers from that who've, who've gone on to, to other things. But at the moment we don't have any uh, sketch comedy shows on Australian television and I think all for the worst. I think sketch comedy is a really important format of comedy. Uh, it's a great outlet for writers and performers and because of the form because you can write something that goes for, you know, anything from two minutes to, you know, seven or eight minutes uh, and and see if it works or not. As you said, I mean, the nature of sketch comedy is some things are going to stick and some things are, are not going to stick. Um, if you have a series, you can start to build up some running gags, which, of course, are, are a particular favourite of mine, and you can develop characters that reoccur. Um, and so I think it's a really important format on TV, and I know even in North America, you know, it is a format that you see a lot less of these days on, on TV than... Um, or any broadcast platform than previous. So good on um, Netflix for giving them a run. I have to say I probably my my lol quotient was probably a bit below average. I, you know, there was – I was more a sort of a quiet, quiet chuckle uh, in most things. Um, but I enjoyed watching it because I like sketch comedy. So – you know, I, if if would I be running out to tell everyone to watch this because it was the best new thing in sketch comedy? No. Uh, there's four episodes on Netflix. Will I tell people to watch it? Sure. Um, it was great to see. I mean, there's some amazing performers in this. I mean, David Cross and uh, Bob Odenkirk, Eric Wareheim, who will talk about in Master of None shortly, and a number of other performers who are really, you know, they're really good. Um and and there is some stuff. I mean, one of the wonderful things about sketch comedy, I love, you know, it can be very absurdist. Um, you know, sometimes it's satire or parody. Sometimes it's, you know, 
observational stuff and sometimes it's just wacky shit and you know i i, I have a soft spot uh for wacky shit so uh, they were probably my you know my favorite moments um but it did feel a bit and given i don't have a history with mr show except theoretically knowing the yeah. people that came out of it um but yeah watching some of this i was sort of like um it, if if i didn't know the pedigree of the people involved i would have perhaps been a bit you know who are these old guys and why are they doing this this show which is sort of okay but it it, it was almost like uh, the sort of thing you might expect to see on a, um, you know, community cable network. Like some of it had that flavour to it. Like some of it I thought the writing was far underdone. There were sketches that were far too long for the joke. Um, but again, I think that is one of the um, things with sketch comedy is you, you need a good run for these things to develop. Sketch comedy is, you know, because you hit rate, even in the best sketch comedy show, is not 10 out of 10. And partly that's because everyone has really diverse senses of humour. So even if you're doing the best stuff in the world, any individual is not going to find every sketch equally funny. Um, so I don't know that four episodes is really enough to do it justice. I'd love to see a 10-episode run and for some of the characters to get you know developed again, uh, developed further or some run, more of the running jokes to develop. Um, yeah, so I suppose what I'm saying is I like that it exists, but, you know, I wouldn't be dropping everything and saying this is the funniest thing that you can watch at the moment. No, I wouldn't say that either. I think there's a lot a lot of funnier stuff out there. Key and Peele, I think, surpasses oh, this gorgeous. in every way. Um, Amy Schumer. I Amy mean, Schumer, yeah. yeah there's... Uh, this this harks back. Uh, it's funny, we were talking last on our last episode about Ash and the Evil Dead. There's something about this that is very 80s, 90s sketch comedy. Um, you know, you mentioned Key and Peele and Amy Schumer. And, again, I have... I'm not sure I can pin down – that's different than sketch comedy because often their pieces are more like – what's the difference? It's still sketch comedy. Some of this really feels like uh, – I, I don't want to say this is a, um, a put-down, but it feels like college sketch comedy. Um, it feels like I'm watching it on stage at college a mm. bit. And that's not a bad thing, but I think it's out of step with how we how we have sketch comedy these days. Where Key and Peele or Amy Schumer, they feel like little scenes, not out of a movie because that's not the right context, but uh, it's a different style, I think. So this feels like probably the style that Mr. Show was, and I don't know that that's work going to work these days. Interesting. And that's the format more than the format above the content so yes 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 yeah yeah i definitely think it harkens back to mr show which i think they're calling back to obviously here um with that feeling which lived in the 90s um so you know that could have something to do with it um i think there's some brilliant stuff here like you know the sketch of the uh the salesman i thought was brilliant like that was so well done yeah um, I was I was in, entrenched with that. Uh, I thought that was a great sketch. Um, but then other things um, like the the guy in the jungle that just felt dated to me. And, yeah, you know, there's some stuff that felt felt like it was uh, sketches they had left over from Mr. Show that didn't make the cut right. then. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were on a super tight timeline here um, for their four episodes or five episodes, whatever it was. 
Um, it was all in between shooting Saul and uh, and David Cross left to go to England right after, and it was really jammed into uh, what they say twelve weeks or something like that. Yeah, maybe even less to write, develop, produce all that sort of stuff. And all of their sketches tie together specifically one to another. Yeah. So it's not like they can just throw a whole shitload of sketches together, go and shoot them, and then stitch them together. They're writing them for the episode, which, in hindsight, maybe isn't the best thing. I mean, maybe it would be best if you just had a pool of sketches that you could pull from. But that's not what they do, I guess. So um, it is what it is. And yeah, I'd certainly say it's worth watching, and it's it's four episodes, so it's not going to put you out. Um, worth watching. I think you're going to get a, a, quite a few laughs out of it, but uh, it certainly didn't change the way I look at comedy or anything. <laughs> and look, for, for me, um, having become a fan of Bob Odenkirk, it was particularly gratifying sort of to see where he'd come from. So, and there's some, you know, there's some great comedians on here and it's almost like having a bit uh, and it's a joke they make in the first episode about you know having a time tra- travel machine uh, it's a bit like that in a way um so yeah you know give it a go if you if you uh, want to see if it's your sort of thing um and give it a go if you want to support sketch comedy because sketch comedy is awesome Oh, yeah, for sure it is. And you know I was thinking today like I don't think I've never been to an improv like live improv Okay. Or comedy sketch show. Is that, is that bad? Am I a bad no. person? No. No, because different people like different sorts of comedy. I mean, that's that's the but challenge that's the of comedy. I like that. I do like it. And I like improv, actually. But I think that if I was to do just to go and watch it, I would just be upset because I just want to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just step aside, everyone. Uh, right. Well, you know, maybe that's your next project, Ryan. Mm, oh, God, I've created a monster. Anyway, speaking of monsters, no, that's that's not an appropriate segue. Speaking of Eric Wareheim, who's in uh, with... Uh, with the show we just talked about, whose name I've immediately forgotten. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um... Let's talk about Master of None, another Netflix comedy series. What's it called? Master of None. You see the social network? The Indian guy is a white guy. No, no, I read that he's 116th Indian. Who cares? If you go back far enough, we're all 116th something. I'm probably 116th black. You think they're going to let me play Blade? Whoever you're dating now at this age, it could be who you end up with. It's a big decision. It's hard. How many women did you meet before you decided on mom? Two. Two, that's it. What was wrong with the first lady? It's a little bit too tall. As soon as he stood up, I was like, oh, no. We have to learn to make decisions, man. You want kids? Part of me is like, yeah, it'd be an amazing experience. Black lady. Chinese man. Hey, hey, don't, don't yell at people's ethnicities. There are a million things that guys have no clue about that are so annoying. Like what? So you remember when we went to brunch and we both Instagrammed a picture of that frittata? Ooh, that frittata was fluffy as hell. What are your comments? Yumtown. Population biv. Check mine out. I want to fuck your face. When you close your eyes, do you see Dev and Rachel in a cozy house with little devs running around? I just see black. This is Dev. We're seeing each other. You seem 
Very nice. I'll admit, I was a little worried. Some of my friends have racist grandmas. Oh, I see. You assumed I was a racist just because I'm old. Well, now the tables have turned. I'm sorry. That's where I put in the trailer, you see. I just played the trailer. Oh, okay. Um, Master of None stars the very wonderful Aziz Ansari, who people, well, I would think people know. Um, he was in Parks and Rec, um, and he's a, a reasonably well-known stand-up comic. Um, he's funny on Twitter. Uh, you, you were aware of Aziz Ansari, were you, Ryan? Sure, of course, yeah. Okay. I love Aziz. Um, Parks and Rec probably is the place most people see it. Um, he's got some pretty funny stand-up as well. And so this this show, uh, Master of None, features a, one would assume, vaguely autobiographical character because he plays a, a, a guy called Dev in New York who's sort of fallen into acting. He, he got randomly sort of uh, talent spotted to be in a, in a yoga commercial and from there he sort of discovered he likes it. He makes uh, quite a few commercials and is trying to make his way into uh, movie acting. Uh, and it's based around him and his friends and uh, their life. Uh, each episode has a different um, theme, if you like. Uh, and there were how many episodes? Ten, ten episodes, which I consumed as quickly as I could because I thought it was awesome. Um, Eric Wareheim, who we were just talking about, plays uh, one of his best mates, Um there's a wonderful actor who I didn't know called Lena Waite who plays another of his mates called Denise. Um, it follows – each episode sort of stands alone and but there are threads that reoccur uh, in terms of his career and his relationships, um, and including his remote, romantic relationships through the series. Um, I found it incredibly smart. It's I found it really, really funny. Um, it's thoughtful, and um, I hope they make another series. Uh, some of the they they it could have been that sort of show that every episode feels like it's lecturing to you. So there's a there's an episode about Indians on TV. There's a feminist episode. There's a uh, episode about uh, second generation immigrants dealing with uh, or relationships with their immigrant parents. And all any of these things could have felt like sort of a lecture or a feel good or a let me tell you how it is thing. But what is so clever about this is that there is no um, happy endings or resolution around these things. It's observational in the true sense of, you know, this shit happens, this shit yeah. might be hard, racism in television sucks. There are no easy answers to this. Here's what an individual might do, but they might end up getting screwed anyway. And I really appreciate that it's not a, you know, uh, you know, he, he certainly, Dev, the character, doesn't come out on top in everything. Um, you know, I particularly, you know, a lot of the episodes, there's an episode where he and his best mate, um, Brian, who's played by Kelvin Yu, um, who's 
father has come from, I think it was Taiwan or, or China, and uh, Dev are sort of trying to reconnect and find out about, you know, their parents' immigrant experience and what life was like in the old country. And, you know, it's not, a ha- it's not sort of that tale of they reconnect with their parents and they find out their parents' backstory and, 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 and everyone's happy families or anything like that. I mean, it ties in the fact of anyone's relationship with their parents and how that is that is and is can be and and how you can't expect to know what it was like for someone who grew up in another country and and emigrated and the struggles they went through and that they're not going to be grateful for you asking about it and you know so I like the fact that these things don't get resolved and they're not like if you know hey if you take your parents out for a nice dinner they'll share all their childhood stories and we'll all you know be really happy um you know parents can suck and kids can suck and it's it it doesn't give anyone an easy out on that so you're getting all these laughs but then you're also getting stories that have other layers in it which um and dealing with real issues and I suppose I really like the fact that it doesn't shy away from you know yeah we're going to talk about racism in the entertainment industry and it's you know it's going to be hilarious and and uncomfortable and at the end of the day maybe you'll have a think about some things but that's sort of not it's not trying to tell you and you should all go and do this now or that it will be easy to fix because life is hard yeah yeah um I've heard it referred to as, you know, Louie with the Indian dude. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a, he's a bit happier than Louie, though. <laughs> yeah, he is, but he's, for lack of a better word, a loser. You know, Dev doesn't come out on top of very much. He's landed a few things that's been lucky, but, well, I, mean, I guess he does okay. He's got the girlfriend and stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose it's not all doom and gloom for him, but... he's he, um, Well, I think inherently the character... Of Dev, and this might be a function of his age. He might grow up to be Louis, but he's only thirty-ish at the moment. So I think there is still more. He still can see that he can have the career he wants or the relationship he wants. Whereas Louis is sort of at the other end of it, with a lifetime of not getting those things. So I think whether they're inherently similar characters at this point in time. And it makes it a different show to watch too. It's certainly lighter than Louis, although it, it shares a lot stylistically um, with uh, with Louis in the storytelling. Yeah, well, I suppose you're right. Yeah, it, it is something that is... You feel sad for him, but he doesn't feel sad for himself, I think, a lot of times. You know, I think he's got a pretty good um, outlook on life. Um, what did you think of his girlfriend? Rachel. Oh, yeah. I liked Rachel. And I liked, um, again, I, I thought what they did, and I, I one of my favourite episodes was, in, in uh, air quotes, the relationship episode. Because, again, uh, and some of the shows like uh, that we've been watching, like You're the Worst and that, are, are getting really better at doing relationship stories, I think. Um, I, I feel that we're getting more... Um, also, less single point of view. You know, in times gone past, it, like things like I don't know how I met your mother. You know, it was very much from one the main character's point of view of what the relationship is like, and and that the other person's failed them or dumped them or whatever. This, this, and things like you're the worst feel more rounded in the fact that, and I suppose there's a thread going through Master of None. It's about a struggle 
to see the other person's point of view. So most episodes are uh, pointing up and, and part of Dev's sort of implicit re- revelation is that other people have their own um, – they're their own point of view and that, you know, maybe it's something about coming out of your 20s when you do think the world revolves around you. And he's getting to this point where now he's realising, you know, like his parents had their own life, you know. The girl he's wanting to date has her own life. So there's a a, a girl that he connects with in the in the first episode who when he – various reasons they don't get together he runs into her again she's got back together with her old boyfriend I mean but not in a it's not just a plot device she has a life that goes on when he's not around if you like Um, and uh you know the people involved in most of the episodes and I love he's working on for a lot of the uh, show he's working on a a movie which is about a black virus basically kills black people um (laughs) And there's other members, uh, people on the set. And there's a guy that uh, the guy that he talks to a lot, uh, who's been married for 25 years. And I love that obs- that stuff about you know his life and that there's a whole different, you know, there are different ways of having relationships and um, and having a life. And so um, I think he they did that well with Rachel uh, as his girlfriend of showing that you know it's not a it's not about one person being – it's not about right or wrong. It's about how you fit together in these things because you'll both be dicks at various points. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the whole thing about tidiness, which is one of my things is in the relationship, was great. Like the tidy person isn't the morally right person. <laughs> you know, it just happens that their thing is being tidy and the other person's thing is not being tidy. Uh, you don't have to put value judgments on them. So. Um, I'm rambling now because there was a lot to talk about. It made me think about a lot of stuff, and I think uh, particularly this idea of seeing the other point of view and actually being open to uh, acknowledging the validity of other people's experiences, which sounds a bit like duh, but we do all get caught up in our own worldview and our own that's how the world is. And, um, you know, for example, the feminist episode, so-called, you know, has him sort of having a epiphany about the way, you know, women get treated and, and um, you know, the patriarchy and feminism and he's all gung-ho, but then he, you know, he realises it's more than just him slapping on a, you know, I'm a male feminist badge and, you know, it can have, uh, you know, he loses his job out of it and, and, and then he still doesn't, you know, he thinks he's being the good guy, but he's still actually not listening to what his girlfriend says about her experiences. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that about it and that the arguments that the two of them have are, cl- uh, are beautiful because they are those sort of unresolvable arguments you have in relationships because you are different people. Right. Sometimes it's not about who's right and wrong. No, and it's it's really interesting to see their relationship mature or evolve in a realistic feeling. You know, like it's mm. not like somebody cheats on someone and it falls apart it's you know you sort of see them getting to a point when they just are are drifting apart or they're losing connection with what made it interesting uh not not to spoil that but um you know just cool and i really like the ending of the season as well yep i thought very much so that was excellent. Um, wonderful performances throughout. Aziz's actual father plays his father in the and series. Mother. 
and mother, sorry, well, his father has a, a bigger role, but that, I don't know, I mean, they're both great at what they do. I do think it adds a layer of, um, another layer to it. And, and recently, I think uh, he was on, Aziz was on um, Colbert and he was talking about how his father, you know, basically gave up his holidays to, to work on the show. And his father said, well, I did it to get to spend time with you because it's the only way I could get to, you know, spend some time with my son, <laughs> which oh. is such a reflection of sort of the show in a way. Um, so, yeah, I, the writing is just so good. And, and there are, um, you know, there's wonderful stuff about friendships in there. It's really, really funny. I, I look, I really lolled a lot in this. Um, you know, there's some hilarious stuff, and um, and I just loved all the characters were were fantastic, and all of them have a you know a they're not quite what you expect them to be. Um, yeah. And you know, so it plays with our own you know perceptions about things, and. Um, I yeah, I really really hope they make another season because this is one of my most um, yeah enjoyable uh, enjoyable ones or comedies I've watched this year. See, to me, this is the comedy that if this was on ABC or NBC or CBS, there's no way in a million years you'd watch it. Well, would it be the same show though? It wouldn't have. It would have been a different show, and I think it that's would've... one of the, the things about that is. You would have had a watered down laugh truck, laugh track sounding um, "How I Met Your Mother" comedy, and that would have been at the assistance of the networks, right? Well, we know better. We've done this a million times. We know how to make money. We know how to make a show successful. When well, as a, as they point out in the Indians on TV, where you know there's a line about remaking Perfect Strangers with two Indian guys. That's right. what it would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it would be. Oh God! I wonder if that was brought up. If he pitched this to the networks, I wonder if they said. <laughs> I wonder if it was a real thing. I bet you it was. Um, yeah, I I think it was great. I I did enjoy it. it wasn't my most favorite show of the year. I don't think it was. You know, it, it didn't hit me like say Louis or or something like that. Certainly wasn't as good as You're the Worst. I don't think. Which have you been watching? You're the Worst, by the way. No, I'm still behind on that. So, oh, every time I watch an episode, I send you a message. Oh my god! I know, I know. Oh fucking! Don't good. worry, they're all re- they're ready for me to watch the last three. So, like, it's just so fucking good. I even tweeted the showrunner the other day, and he didn't respond. But it was just like, you know, this show has absolutely no business being, being as good as it is. Well, yeah, and being as moving and yeah, challenging and thought provoking and what the and you're like, this is supposed to be just a dumb comedy, and all of a sudden. What? So, anyways, um, yeah, but uh, Master of None, yep, yeah, good, great, but fine, totally worth watching. I don't know if it's going to change your life, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I'd watch more if they came out. Yeah, I'd watch more. Although it ends in a very good place, as you said, I think. Um, uh, um, and and the I don't know the ending suggested. No, no, you could make another season, but. Um, Definitely worth worth you all. I would also reiterate, though, you're the worst is amazing, and I think we are seeing a, uh, and maybe we have Louis to thank for this, even though these shows are very different. Um, the idea that you and these are more master of none, and and you're the worst are more um, un, unequivocally comedies. Um, 
they are comedies that are taking on doing more and and the level of writing. It's not this is not sitcom stuff. Um, so I, I think I don't want to say it's a new genre, but it's an evolving genre that we're seeing more of in um, uh, at the moment. And so I would certainly. Um, Commend Master of None to you, and any of yours. You can also pick up quite a bit of his. This is um, uh, there's a number of his stand-up comedy shows on Netflix as well. So check it out there. Um, do you think this is successful because of the alternate platform? Um, I. As you say, I don't think it would be a network show. Could it have been on a, a another cable network? Probably. Um, it works well on Netflix because you can binge it, and it's certainly bingeable. But yeah, I think it could work other places. Um, but again, you know, without I, I don't know a lot about how it was made. So whether it was commissioned by Netflix or whether Aziz went along with a finished product or whatever, but. Um, you know, it does take a special space to have this sort of show on it. Speaking of special places, Jules. Yeah. Are you ready to move away from this? Yeah. Um, what I got a chance to do, and actually you all have a chance to do it as well, I think, unless they've taken it off, is go to Amazon.com and watch the pilots that were created <gasps> for Amazon this year. Um, they've done a very cool thing where they've taken their pilots. I don't know if it's all of them. Um, and they put them online for you to watch and rate and give feedback on. Um, and it was all free on their website. It, you might have to have an Amazon account. I don't know if you need a plus account, but it didn't you know I didn't have to pay anything or anything. I just went to Amazon and, and did that and it was pretty cool. Um, have you done it, Jules? Uh, not yet, but I have. I think they've been doing this for three or four years now with their pilots. Um, and then out of the number of pilots that they they show, they do pick up a couple. The only two series I know that have eventuated out of the Amazon pilot, and I could be wrong on this, the only two I'm aware of were Transparent, of course, which was hugely successful, and Bosch, which was... Uh, a crime series featuring Titus Welliver based on the LA-centric novels by Michael Connolly, uh, which is a long-running detective series. And the series of Bosch came out, I think, early last year um, and and was really good, actually. Um, I think it got a bit lost being on Amazon, to be honest. Um, Titus Weller was excellent and they were good good stories. Transparent, of course, really did get a huge amount of um, publicity. So it's an interesting process. They also picked up, um, I think it was from last year or the year before, might have been the year before, a pilot by Chris Carter, he of the X-Files, called After, which was really, really shitty. And they didn't end up moving after sort of the pilot got through the next cut. They didn't end up going to series with it, which is probably a relief to everyone. Um, so it's a, an interesting process. I, I, it's great that people get to watch them. I I'm, I'm, don't know how much, you know, reaction and it, it sort of gets them out there in the world a bit for, for people to see, which could be a good or a bad thing. Um, I don't know how much that influences what gets picked up. Um, what have you watched that you like so far? So I've watched uh, a few of them. Um, there's a lot of kids' shows, which I didn't bother with because I don't give a shit. Um, but as far as live-action drama stuff uh, or comedies, um, one called One Mississippi, 
which is uh, Tig Notaro's show. Um, people know Tig. Yep. Comedian. Um, she's a stand-up comedian, and she had a show on uh, Netflix, uh, a documentary called Tig, mm-hmm. uh, with his works worth watching. And it's about her, and essentially it's her story. It's um, it's about her dealing with breast cancer, and uh, she has this weird uh, uh, immune disease as well, and she finds out that her mom died, and so she travels uh, back home to the family home for her mom's funeral and stuff like that. So... Uh, I watched that. Um, did you watch any of these, Jules? No, I haven't yet. Okay. Um, I watched that, and it was good, and it was moving, and it was, you know, all the things that you would want it to be, and Tig was great, and uh, they had a great cast, and it looked great. I don't know what the show is supposed to be based on that is the only problem for right. me. What's, I don't know what, what's the next episode? Be, <laughs> exactly. Is this show supposed to be a Louis where it's a comedy but kind of dark or a master of none? Um, is it supposed to be a sad story about her getting through her health? I don't know. There's some funny shit in there for sure, but I don't know what the next step is. I don't know how what episode two or three or four would look like. Um, and to me, that's that was hard to, to say um, because I like Tig and I think she's funny and I, I think she did a great job with this. But as far as an ongoing series, they would really have to say, here's what happens in the rest of the yeah. show. Um, there was other characters like her brothers in it and her her mother's husband who plays this totally you know dead guy on the inside and the outside and he you know so there's there's room for being a dark comedy but I don't know if the rest you know what happens does she stay there with her girlfriend and hijinks ensues while she tries to get along with the family know, her, her stepfather yeah. Or, you know, does she decide to move back to this hometown? I think she sort of talked about at the end that, you know, she should she should move back. So, you know, does she move back and try to get in with the hometown? Does she, you know, try to set up stakes? I, I don't know what happens okay. next. So, as far as a one-off, great. Totally worth watching. Funny, sad, really sad, actually. Um, moving. Moving forward, don't know. So, I couldn't say, yes, this should definitely be a series. Um, I watched another show called Edge, which is a Western based on, I guess, comic books by the same name, Edge, um, which I'd never heard of. Uh, no. no. Very similar to, well, I don't know about very similar, but uh, similar in style to, um, you know, any of those Western shows I'm thinking of, Hell on mm-hmm. Wheels specifically, um, but a lot of those sorts of things. Um, stars Max Martini, uh, Ryan Quantin's in okay. this. Um, it's about the main character, Max Martini, who plays a guy named Josiah Hedges, or Edge. He comes home to find his homestead been ramshackled by Ryan Quantin and some bunch of people. Damn you, Ryan so Quantin! Stop, town. Yeah. stop burning down homesteads. Well, he's, yeah, bloody he's, bloody he's Australian. Australian. So you know what yeah. to expect. <laughs> So um, he goes to the small town, and it's this screwed up little small town. And Edge tries to exact revenge. Um, it was good. It looked great. Um, there was some good action, some really good action, some great gunfights and things like that. Um, great acting. Some of them. Some of the acting was great. Some weird shit. Like he would have these really lame jokes where, like, he would give these really terrible one-liners. Um, 
and it was like almost a joke. Like there's one where there's this gold arm, like a cast solid gold arm that somebody found, and then he was like, "Oh, looks like somebody gave them a hand." Oh, and no. stuff like that. And it's just like, "Oh Jesus, did you just say that?" Like, I don't know the actual line, but it was so bad that you're like, "Oh God." Um, and then he's leaving the town, and he says something about, "Are you going to get dollar?" And he says. If you don't get dollar, you're not gonna have change. Oh like, no! Really? Was that was that really oh. your joke? Um, so it okay. was it was interesting. Um, I think it's worth watching if you like westerns and you like gunfights and stuff. Uh, I could definitely see legs. Like I could see it going on and doing other things, but they would really have to drop those really <laughs> terrible puns. Um, other than that, I, I think it was pretty cool and and it had some interesting things. Uh, happening in there and i could see it i could see it doing something i don't know if it would be i I guess for hell on wheels fans it would fill a void but i just don't know if uh if it would be uh, for everyone and was there one more you watched ryan there was one more um and i hope that you you, now you say you have no but it's the one i'd heard of okay so the other one stars um, Supernatural alum uh, Curtis Armstrong and, and Revenge of the Nerds alum Curtis Armstrong. And it's a show called Heiston. Uh, Heiston is about a 19-year-old young man who's living in this world. It's supposed to be you know, a world like ours, but it's very um, most hyper-intensive, um, if you can think of... Say, um, geez, what was that um, storybook? Uh, sorry, it was like took place in the fifties, and everything's really brightly colored. The movie. Um, I know yeah. the one you mean, but I can't think of the name of it. Pleasantville, yes, yeah. sort of Pleasantville. It has a certain Pleasantville kind of style. Pushing to daisies, it, where people are very pushing daisies style, very sort of stylized, very yeah. vibrant. And this young guy named Heiston, um, his parents are going to put him into a mental institute because of all these imaginary people that he keeps talking. And um, Curtis Armstrong plays his weird uncle who wears tinted glasses and always has really strange advice. Um, Chris Parnell plays his mom. Uh, Marilyn Rice Cub is in it. Uh, plays, a, plays his mom. Sorry, Chris Parnell plays his dad. And Heiston is this really sweet, gentle, lovely young man who is very well-meaning and, and very apple-cheeked uh, uh, fella, but he has these imaginary friends. And one of his main imaginary friends is Flea, the bassist from Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> and Flea gives him all this advice and is essentially playing himself. So when they're like, well, Heiston, you know... Um, you're going to have to stop talking to these invisible friends or we're going to send you away. Then Flea's on his shoulder saying, you know, behind him saying, tell them to go fuck themselves, Heiston. You and me, we got each other's back, man. It's just you and me. We're going to take care of each other. And then Heiston's like, okay. And Then his other imaginary friend that shows up is Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> so he's got Flea and Shaquille O'Neal and they're his best buddies and they sort of hang out all the time. So the parents come into the bedroom to give him a lecture and Shaq is standing there. Know, making faces at the parents and, and being crazy and dancing and Flea sitting on the bed yelling at them and Heisen just sort of trying to have a conversation with his parents. So it, it's really got this bizarre sort of narrative that happens that draws it into this bigger world. And it, it's really quite strange. Um, 
wonderful. And he, he hints that he has other imaginary friends like Stephen Hawking or, you know, these sorts of things. And one would assume that as episodes go, you would have these different celebrities coming in and being his imaginary friends for the day, um, giving him different kind of advice or that sort of thing. Um, and it's all done with this really nice, you know, down home apple pie American sort of feeling to it. Um, and it's cool, and it's got a, it, it does have a nice feeling. And watching it, you you can't help but really enjoy it. So I have a feeling this show will take off. Um, it's got four and a half stars, Ooh. eight point five out of ten. Um, so I, I have a feeling it will do very well. Um, and it's it's really it's really kind of neat. I will certainly be watching that as soon as possible. Love the love the premise. Love Curtis Armstrong. Uh, love yeah. those sort of magical realism type things and celebrities playing themselves. Sounds good to me. It is good. I think you will you will also like it. Make sure you let me know when you watch it. I will. And then I get to talk about it too. Thank yeah. you for that wrap up, Ryan. I will be watching uh, some more of the Amazon pilots when I have a moment. Uh, if anyone else has watched an Amazon pilot that we should uh, get on to, let us know. We'll be here listening. <laughs> Uh, that's it all for this week, I think, Ryan. Yeah, unless you got anything else you want to talk about. No, quite enough. You're sick of me, aren't you? I know. <laughs> no more than usual. All right, I'm going to go hang out with my friends Flea and Shaq, and um, <laughs> we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with our next review of what? We're not sure, but uh, follow the Twitter channel and we'll let you know. And next time we may talk about... Um, Speaking of things on alternative platforms, a project you've got coming up making a short movie called... We'll talk a bit more about that next time. All right. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, Jules. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.